Do you think there was human android sex in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Richard Manfredi, and usually I argue with my good friend Michael about the Mount Rushmores of life. Any four things from a category that are most representative, most iconic of that topic. But not today. Today we're doing a little switcheroo. I'm taking the host seat and our usual host slash judge slash jury slash executioner, uh, Jeff Hopkins, is going to be jumping in here because this is a topic that I know diddly over squat about. So I am happy to sit here and have you guys educate me because I know this is, this is a topic that is near and dear to both of your hearts. It's a Star Wars topic. Jeff, it was your topic, so why don't you let us know what it is? My choice was second-tier Star Wars droids. I love this. I love the idea <laughs> that within the Star Wars universe, there are tiers of importance of <laughs> all the crummy little droids that run around yeah. doing God knows what. There's Droids are already kind of relegated to supporting cast, and these are the supporting of the supporting cast. I'm fascinated with the role of droids in the Star Wars universe because they are definitely relegated to second-class, not even citizens, because... Sometimes they're treated as objects. Sometimes they're treated as people. Um, these aren't second tier, but um, droids like C-3PO and R2-D2 show happiness. They show loyalty. They show all these A-list emotions, yet they are abandoned, bought, sold, there's mistreated. O- <laughs> there's only one person in the entire movie sextology or maybe probably even that said oh, what excuse me yeah. <laughs> that shows any sort of empathy towards them and that's luke skywalker yeah he like even even you'd think that like uh um, he's giving oh, them baths he's giving the oil bath <laughs> obi-wan in the first movie he's younger he's it's like and he's a jedi and wizened yeah he couldn't give a crap about any of them no yeah. nobody does none of the you, princesses none of the bad guys certainly <laughs> also the level of spirituality c-3po says thank the maker so you know we've uh, got to uh, interpret that as <laughs> well this is that was one of those great lines from the first movie that george lucas just destroyed by the yeah. time you got to um oh. attack of the clones yeah where i guess it's cute that he's you know, spoiler alert, Anakin Skywalker invented C-3PO yeah. and comes back to Tatooine and 3PO says, oh, look, the maker. And it's like, <laughs> why do you got to go and like, it's like, it's like he purposefully started needling his fans that have supported him mm-hmm. with all of these bullshit lines that you're just like a callback or like that- another, we're going to do a quick aside where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi describes the Jedi Knights having existed for a thousand generations yeah and then back in like the other dumb prequels he says well you know the republic's been around for a thousand years a generation isn't a year and this is one of those nerd nitpickery things (laughs) but those things kind of matter if if, Uh like the difference between thirty thousand years and a thousand years is a long time in terms of tradition and history and like they're weird things that george lucas screwed up and for sure i will mention some of those in in this podcast. So listening audience, you have a representative uh, take on what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> These two womp rats. What their, uh, their level of knowledge and nerdery is. So I'm going to, again, cede the floor since it was Jeff's uh, topic. Michael, you will be going first. What's your first choice? Okay, well, I have four categories this week. Good. Oh, boy. Uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, 
Return of the Jedi in the prequels. And we'll start with Star Wars. And I'm going to go with the uh, MSE6 series, Mouse Droid. Oh, okay. And right. I'm going to show a little picture. Oh, we have a visual diagram or visual interpretation of it for me mm-hmm. since I don't know this. And this, I would say, it looks like a uh, Lego piece that's stacked <laughs> on some, some wheels. I think that's pretty fair to uh, say what it looks like. Yeah, the Mouse Droid was a portable Lego mover. <laughs> um, they're actually featured in, like, I think all three of the Star mm-hmm. Wars movies. They're little kind of worker bots, little worker droids. They're also like these little guides that uh, kind of tell you where to go around the Death Star. Um, kind of lead stormtroopers here and there. Because, you know, it's the size of a small moon. Yeah. Right. And um, they're kind of insignificant. They don't really do very... Like, they're not important to the story. They don't mm-hmm. move anything along. But they do provide some weird sense of humanity in like a little, you know, toaster-sized thing on wheels. There's... One particular scene in Star Wars where uh, Chewbacca is being led to, to the detention center by Han and Luke who are dressed up like stormtroopers. And one of these things is rolling their way. You know, they're going to rescue the princess. And it's just rolling towards them. And Chewbacca just like growls at it. Yeah. And then it gets frightened and scurries away. Yeah, yeah. And the idea that like even this dumb droid, this little robot thing on wheels has like the emotions of being afraid, afraid mm-hmm. and can be scared and will react that way and has a sense of like self uh, pers- perseverance yeah uh i think was always endearing and like that's just one of my favorite moments in the movie and chewie just kind of like shrugs his shoulders and looks at hans like what do you want me to do <laughs> <laughs> so now the only droid i really know in life is uh or pop culture is wally so that reminds me Wall-E. of the, the, the wall e okay. world where Sort of, the, you know, when you get on the the main kind of cruise ship or whatever, it's where all the humans are. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. all these little, like, worker drones right. that are just running around mm-hmm. and getting yeah. scared. And the one that's, like, cleaning up after Wally all the time. So it, it reminds me of that, where it's, like you said, it's not just that they have humanity, but they have all these very they have these distinct f- emotions. Yeah, they have these functions and they have... But, yes, they... But they're these weird like little tiny gatekeepers of this universe that probably couldn't exist without them cleaning up these little messes and guiding people around. And it kind of just reminds you of all the different technology we have Mm -hmm. that operates our life that we wouldn't, we wouldn't know how to do without. Yeah. Without this little, yeah. uh, Just a little helper um, entity that, that is, is like said, navigating people from one place to another. I think if you, in some of the stories, I think some of these things kind of come together. You could, they could lift something if they all work together at right. the same time. So it's like a little, it's, it's like, you know, it's like an email notification that you take for granted. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I need, I need to go do this thing. Oh, here it is. Okay. Yeah. What do you think they were invented for first? What was like the first use of it? Roller skates for Wookiees. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Even as a kid, I liked the art direction in Star Wars. But you could also tell when they ran out of money. And this was one of those things. And so my, you know, if you look at it, it's definitely just kind of like somebody took a shoebox, spray painted it black and kind of dented the sides a couple, a little bit. Yeah, there's some foam happening. There's a lot of foam. Yeah. My my first choice is the gonk droid. Wait, gronk? The uh, Rob Gronkowski, the the football player? (laughs) Makes a lot of sense now. I love the gonk droid. Um, the 
GNK series uh, droid. It's a power droid. It's a power droid. And one, one thing I love is just because it looks like the robot that the little rascals made or in our <laughs> game. Thing, because it's clearly just a person in you know, with a some kind of plastic trash can that's been melted a little bit on its head. It has it has like its legs are basically like the uh, uh, the wiring that connect your, uh, <laughs> your yeah. dryer. Yeah, the dryer <laughs> Just... hose, the flexi dryer hose. And so it was definitely those like I can see George saying, "We need another robot." And the British, you know, um, props guy goes, "Okay, how much can we spend?" And he goes, "What's what's five dollars in your money? <laughs> Seven pounds. Coming right up, Judge." <laughs> So um, I love this guy, and also because um, we've discussed the droids' uh, place in this society, of uh, this expanded universe that uh, Lucas created, as not being at the top tier. They usually are servants. They're definitely treated like second-class citizens. And uh, Gonk, we also see being tortured by another droid. So Wait, wait, when's this? Oh, in Return of the Jedi. You're a feisty little one. Soon yeah, so it's just like such a is it her, his feet getting singed? I forget what that exactly. Scene, that scene is so dumb as well. Yeah, for I mean, a number of reasons. But uh, the 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 EVD ninety nine yeah. uh, torture droid yeah. that is torturing the the gonk droid refers to that as like its last uh, like R two unit uh-huh. or something. And it's clearly not. It's it's very clearly a, a gonk power droid that it's, yeah. that oh, yeah. it's displeased <laughs> with. So they basically are just like, all right, let's put oh. a droid upside down. Let's burn its feet. There was something also when I was a kid seeing that, like, l- as a kid, I saw it as just as kind of this cruelty. And then as, there was something psychosexual about it <laughs> that you realize, like, these two have some history together. <laughs> so I'm looking at it right now. Oh, yeah, let's it, get Richards. And, and it looks like... <laughs> A trash can with legs, like one yeah. of those square kind of school trash yeah. cans or rectangular. Yeah. So it almost looks like if you had one of those rectangular trash cans, but like Oscar the Grouch was in it, you know, and yeah. they would have Oscar the Grouch move and his feet would just stick out. That's sort of what it looks like. It's basically a walking battery. Yeah. You, can, and, you can basically just like plug into it and I guess charge your speeder. I do wonder what. what came first, the uh, his dialogue or his name, because he says essentially gunk, right? Yeah, gong, gong, gong. And so I don't know if it's... That's got to be just a, like a Ben Burt creation. Yeah. We mentioned him in, in our last episode Yeah, when we were talking about R2-D2, but this man has more input into our lives in terms of like audio cues and like things that like create that sort of memory. I mean, so much of Star Wars for me is knowing exa- these those very precise sounds. Yeah. And I have a... Um, I don't know if you guys came over to watch this, but I have like this old Star Wars... Oh yeah, we did the uh, the VHS tape. Yeah, of it. it was taped off of TV on like 1984, and you were there, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were. Oh, I no, thought no. you were talking about a Ben Burt documentary. Or oh something no, no, like no, no. But um, so I have this old TV, you know, this cassette version of Star Wars when it was on like CBS, and there are so many different like audio cues that I have memorized. I've seen it a couple hundred times. That like one memory or one sound leads directly into a commercial. And I can't watch the movie without yeah. hearing that sound and then knowing that it's going to be followed by a Mercury Topaz commercial. Uh-huh. Man, and by I, the way, that side, side bar, that, that Mercury Topaz, that has some hot shit, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That was like 1983's car of the year. The but, designer sure. of the gonk droid yeah. made <laughs> one vehicle. But but getting back to like that gonk sound, like uh-huh. it would be it would be just a nonsensical robot, but like just that small addition of like the gonk 
from yeah. like it adds a personality, I, it adds a humanity to yeah, this totally whatever. It, he cast him by by the 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 appearance of the droid could be kind of menacing. Uh, we he Ben Burt made him a very sympathetic character by giving him a limited language. And that, that matched his role. He was essentially a walking battery, right? Is that what his yeah. gig was? But I also wonder, why is he being tortured? What secrets were laden inside <laughs> him that the, the torture droid's trying to get out? Like what's, what we... So, uh, Michael, your second choice is? Under the category of The Empire Strikes Back, it's IG-88, oh. the assassin droid. Yeah. You are mistaken to believe you will claim the rebel's reward for his location. I've been monitoring you. He's on my list for a couple of reasons. One, as a toy, he was the toy most likely to fall over because <laughs> he was designed so poorly. <laughs> he's a big menacing. He's a tall menacing droid that stands there looking menacingly yeah. on the desk on the uh, on Darth Vader's. Uh, very, metrop- very metropolis. He's standing next to Fett, and yeah. yeah, yeah. He basically, you know, that scene uh, in Star Wars kind of fills like kind of, or in Empire, kind of fills kind of like that cantina scene where there's a moment, you know, kind of 40 percent of the way through, halfway mm-hmm. through, where you're like, "All right, let's throw out a bunch of interesting creatures yeah. that we yeah. can have toys of now." And he's standing next to, you know, the human mummy mm-hmm. Dengar and. Forlom and Zuckus and Bosk and, um, you know, fanboy favorite Boba Fett as just one of these bounty hunters that was brought in to help, yeah. to help track down the uh, Millennium Falcon. And he doesn't do anything except stand there and look kind of cool and have like these glowing evil red eyes. And yeah. has this great gun, made a great toy. And, um, you know, we talked about the expanded universe and I'm sure that there is a deep history of his type of assassin droid and mm-hmm. all of his kills. But like you don't see it. And it doesn't. It doesn't matter. He just. He just needs to be cool, and just kind of menacing, and be within like this group of other. You know that yeah. he's menacing because of his associates. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, what's your second choice? Uh, RA seven protocol droid. So, like C three PO is one of my favorite droids. Who who um, is a translator? He's all these other things. But you see how often he's used for, um, uh, he goes on adventures and, and no, no robots in this galaxy end up doing the thing that they were made for. They all end up being like, the, the assassin droid probably was programmed to be, to, to make fondue. Deliver better, flowers. Better, deliver I am flowers. here to deliver flowers. <laughs> yeah. Flowers for, flower for Skywalker. My prime directive is erotic back rubs. Um, but then they all get uh, put into service, especially when the politics of the, the galaxy changed, and so these proto- the RA seven protocol droid was uh, then put into use as a servant by to an imperial officer. So like, how fucking much would that suck? <laughs> like, I'm a protocol. Like, like you're essentially part of the UN. Next thing you know, you're some guy's butler. I just think that's so. I have so much empathy. Um, and they also um, they also call them Death Star droids. Oh sure, um, yeah. Yeah, but the um, they kind of have a kind of a spidery looking yeah, head, definitely or more yeah. insect like. Yeah, which is I think one one of the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you know, I am exact. What I love about the universe that that when, that we discuss when we examine Star Wars is that um, you you it is very flawed, and it's such a big universe. It took so many people to create this universe, and I mean like film people work in the film industry. So I always think like there must've been 300 people designing droids and 
this character looks so different than C-3PO or looks so different Yeah, I'm looking Gonk. at it right now, and it's yeah. like this bug-eyed-looking thing. Yeah, he's a bug-eyed-looking right? yeah. thing. Yeah. And he very much looks something more like what Ralph McQuarrie would have drawn, something very sinister. He almost looks like a also a rendition of how people describe the aliens who abducted them. Oh, sure, yeah. Big eyes and weird insect appearance. So he seems more like something out of science fiction than mm-hmm. space opera. So that's one thing I love about that guy. Anything to add about him, Awkward Michael? Or? No, I don't. I mean, other than like being a cool look, I don't remember. Like he's kind of like IG eighty eight. He's like, other than looking cool, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, like, I'm sure that like he's, you know, the expanded universe. There's a story behind everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, looked up one of the expanded universe things, and apparently one just, of just shake your head. One of them <laughs> disgust. One of them uh, can, uh, turned towards the Rebel Alliance after a meeting with a different droid, and I don't know. All right, and with that, we are at the midpoint of the show. And so this is the time when usually Jeff will tell you about how much we really love you. And so I'm going to do that. We love you. We love our listeners. You guys have been great to us so far. Please keep listening. There are several things you can do to help us out. Um, Go ahead and look us up on uh, our social media. Just go to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and just search for Mount Rushmore Podcast. We'll pop up. I don't know if we've got the Snapchat up yet. Still working on Still that. Still working on that one? Okay. I feel your stare. <laughs> your icy stare. <laughs> so where all of your fine social media is sold, make sure you look us up there, follow us, share us. If you like the show, let some friends know about it. Um, and definitely always, um, if you haven't yet, go to your iTunes, Stitcher, however you access the show and go ahead and uh, rate and review us. We'd love to uh, get some great reviews. It helps other people find us. And it also you know, lets us know what you like about the show. So definitely reach out to us. We'd love to be interactive. We love to get suggestions. We've had a few listener suggested shows in the last few weeks. So we love getting that input. We love debating which ones you thought should have been on the list and which ones may be of our list. You shot thought shouldn't have been on there so look us up all right so i believe we are on michael's third uh my third choice is from return of the jedi and it's the bt-16 spider droid oh wow now uh, this is gonna break your brain richard and i apologize because it's frustrating oh Oh, boy so i'm gonna (laughs) show you a picture this is a spider yeah okay and inside the spider, it's like a a, it's a, it's a, a brain. It's a brain. It's a brain, it's a brain in it's a glass like in, jar being yeah. carried around by a spider body. Okay, that's see that picture. Do you see him back there? No, you don't. No, I don't at all. But that's him. The BT sixteen spider droid is a creature robot droid thing in the uh, Jabba's palace. And uh, once R two D two and three PO walk through the giant doors into Jabba's palace, it immediately spooks three uh, PO. That's the only time you see it. However, you hear about it way back in the movie Star Wars. Oh, wow. When um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is deactivating the tractor beam uh, at near the end of the f- uh, first movie, uh, he distracts these two guards, these two stormtroopers that are just having this dumb conversation. They're saying like, hey, uh, do you see that new uh, BT-16? And the other one says, uh, yeah, it's uh, quite, a thing to th- quite a thing to see. And then that's it. <laughs> so, the expanded universe of Star Wars has decided to grasp to to decipher that one 
dumb line of dialogue and turn it into a backstory for uh, this brain in a jar in a spider body in Jabba's palace. And basically, these Bomar monks uh, have decided that they're done. They're done with uh, reality. They're done with uh, feeling things. It holds like a Bomar monks? Yeah, there's a B. And like yeah. in all science fiction, there's apostrophe. Oh, okay, yeah. The Bomar. Bomar. Yeah, yeah. So they're monks that Jabba took over their palace at some point, but they didn't care because their they're brain's in a jar in a spider body. Whoa. So who built... Do they build their own That's, spider bodies? I th- Who knows? But It's so crazy. But they're still hanging. But they're just hanging because they don't care. They don't care who's living there. Mm-hmm. And Jabba doesn't seem to do anything. But they're like these security droids that... But how are they security? Because the only thing I see is like like one of the claws that you would get like uh, try to get a well, they pin- stuffies out of mm-hmm. yeah, they the pin- arcade. They, they pinch you on the bottom to get let's, you out of the palace. Let's say get out of here. so we can post an image, but just think of a big metal spider. But then let's say you wanted your brain to be somewhere that wasn't easily shot by a blaster. <laughs> would you put it in a see-through glass? A see-through glass orb, right at the very right front, the front dangling down <laughs> like an egg sack or something. <laughs> I, I, I put this one on here because we talked, we kind of touched on it earlier, but just the audacity of the expanded universe and what different writers and editors have come up with to flush out all of the dark nooks and crannies. Yeah. Uh, and to create something that isn't just like a movie, but it has subplots and stories and yeah. things that have become kind of that were just kind of taken for reality until Disney came in, just kind of like yeah. axed it all out. Like yeah. they, they all still have names, but they don't quite all have mm-hmm. like the stories and the lives that they once had. And, you know, growing up, I remember reading, you know, all of the different star Wars books, like the Kevin, uh, like the Timothy Zahn, like five years later books. Mm-hmm. And they eventually had like these three collected editions of like, they were tales. One of them was like the tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina one was the tales of the bounty hunters and one was the tales of the uh, Jabba's palace. And they all kind of focused in on different, the random little characters that are either teaming up to take down Jabba the Hutt or that they're the the, the jazz band that's playing in the cantina <laughs> yeah. or the different or the different bounty hunters. And I do, I've always loved that Star Wars has like, it's infinite. It has like all these stories and every character that's designed and appear on screen has had either a toy or has had a story in some yeah. way or has some greater depth than what you see like two dimensionally on screen. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like the, these BT 16 droids that started out as a throwaway line, they could have been anything. Like they could have been talking about a speeder. They could have been talking about, you know, it's the new phone, but yeah. someone decided that, you know what? It's gonna, we're going to make put, it cool. We're going to put a brain in yeah. a spider robot spider body and yeah. it's going to appear on screen for all of four seconds. That's what I'm amazed about the inspiration that Star Wars has given to so many people that, that it, 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 it launches their brains in these flights of not mediocrity, but fancy spider brains, spider brains in a jar. I also, f- I feel like Disney, uh, does a good job of legacy preservation. So what, what, what people, brilliant people like Jim Henson and um, uh, George Lucas have done with the company is give them their baby and say, take care of this and keep it from being um, meddled with and let it flourish. And I think sometimes Disney does it in a way, maybe we're familiar with the Bible. There's Old Testament, there's New Testament. Some people don't believe in one of those books. <laughs> there's there's stuff right. that's that's part of it. And they decide, like that scene in Mel Brooks, you know, I've got these 
15 commandments in that. <laughs> <laughs> 10, 10 commandments. Commandment it's, number 12 is put your brain into a robot spider body. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they had to trim some of it. So, so yeah. Jeff, what's your third? Okay. So we, we've got those torture droids, and this is a healer droid, the 2-1-B surgical droid. Sir, it will take quite a while to evacuate the T-47s. Oh, sure. Um, so Luke got fixed up. Take and, care, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so I always think it's amazing that... Um, you know, within the the Star Wars universe, we talked about how droids are relegated to second class citizenship and and treated as as property to be bought and sold, even though they show great amounts of compassion for their human owners. And who could show more compassion than somebody who's repairing and, and returning to to um, operational function, the actual human? So I always thought that was really cool. And as a kid, going into Empire and seeing that for the first time and realizing or seeing that Luke was being worked on and Luke was in the Bacta tank, you know? Yeah. I remember that was such a cool thing. And then realizing that, that droid was the doctor, like that was so, or the surgeon, that was such a cool uh, thing to see for the first time as a kid. So that's why think, I liked it. Do you think there was like an HMO plan? It's got to be. Did he have a PPO, do you think? A PPO. Or HBO, a 3PPO. Th- 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 a 3PPO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff, oh, uh, um, you are the winner yeah, of this week's. And the podcast here, folks, is not getting any better. Uh, the, uh, the 2 1B medical droid, you know, I might have been confused earlier. You know, when we were talking about the gonk droid being upside yeah. down and burned? Yeah. And uh, the, the torture droid referring to that one. Is, uh, he refers, there's in that same scene, that 2 1B droid is the one that's being torn apart as well. Oh, it is. Oh, God. <laughs> he's up there on like the rack and he's literally having like his arm uh-huh. or his leg like burned off or like. Mm-hmm ripped off and he refers to that as like a as a, a protocol droid that 3PO's replacing and oh. they just they just kind of gave up at some point on like <laughs> what the functionality of each of these robots is yeah. it's like they forgot to, they were made, they made this movie a year and a half before and they forgot what the what the robot <laughs> did they're just like which is the amazing thing because you've got like the uh the last one you're talking about the spider droid which is this thing that was a reference like a two line reference by the by Rosencrantz and Guildenstern yeah you know, in, in Star Wars, and then they decide to bring it back with a larger, relatively larger sort of. You actually see the damn thing, but yet at the same time, they can't keep straight there, any of what any of the functions of these things are. There is a certain level of care that drops off after Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi and to the prequels, mm-hmm. and it goes into my last pick. Uh, I'll get into eventually, but there was. There used to be someone that kept George Lucas in check. And yeah. by the time that Return of the Jedi uh, came around, like his producer from Star Wars and Empire, Gary Kurtz, had left. And his he was going through a divorce. And his wife was like his editor. So there were certain like checks and balances in this kind of the Star Wars universe where it kind of kept him on track. And it kept him, you know, building his universe, but within certain constraints and by the time you get to uh, Jedi, you know, he brings in a different director, this guy, Richard Marquand, mm-hmm. who was a TV director. And it kind of, it's the movie, it's Return is probably one of my favorites for whatever reason. I love watching it the most, but it's like, it's kind of the sloppiest and some of the care that goes into that sort of thing. Like take two minutes to realize that that's not a protocol droid. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting. Now you mentioned that George Lucas was going through a divorce. I was wondering why that alimony droid 
kind of popped up randomly in the third movie that just went around every once in a while and nagging Han for about, your payment is late. Your payment is late. We will be going to court. There was uh, 2-1-B-2 was a great droid, and he was like teamed up with that other weird... There was another mm-hmm. droid. I don't remember what its its call sign was, but it was like... He was like the medical droid, and then there was like a surgery droid that was yeah. also teamed up with the him. FX-7. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. It had all these great arms and like... You imagine that there must have been like a mash sort of like relationship between like these witty, two, witty banner, the two witty banner between the two robots. That are. <laughs> uh, the the idea that they keep humans alive, that they fix these masters who ultimately just kind of treat them like they're the refrigerator. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so Michael, you mentioned that we was going to go into your fourth one. So why don't we go ahead and segue? My last pick uh, is from the prequels, specifically from Attack of the Clones. And it's everything that's wrong with the Star Wars prequels. And it is the WA-7 Waitress Droid, a.k.a. Flo. Here, I'm going to show Richard a couple pictures. Richard, that's Flo. Yeah, it looks like, this, this looks like of, something that was built specifically to be in Disneyland. Does one she of the work at Dexter Jetster's place? That's right. Yeah, okay. She is the one of the waitress robots from Dex's diner. Yeah. What a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> it has a very Jetsons... Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So for whatever reason, like, George Lucas started exploring, I think, some a lot of aspects of his childhood with the prequels. Like, you know, he grew up in uh, Modesto, like, drag racing, yeah. hot rods, and, like, a lot of that... Man, you should have worked that out with, uh, <laughs> with uh, what was that? American Graffiti. With American Graffiti. Yeah. Or, or more American Graffiti. Or, or didn't you get the rest of that out of you in Crystal Skull? Because there was some of that stuff in there, too. There's there's this weird, like, 1950s, early 60s, like, remembrance and, mm-hmm. like, nostalgia that, like, carried over into, like, the design elements of this yeah. movie. Well, I can see how the prequels were trying to show the before universe. And I get yeah, that. Yeah. I, I really liked I really liked a lot of like Doug Chang's like art deco design. Uh-huh. And I thought that it really did capture a universe or a world that before it kind of fell into, you know, fascism and yeah. disrepair and it got all harsh and broken. Mm. I do like that there was like this golden age that was just right on the edge of falling yeah. apart. But, like, there are some things like this droid, which is set in, like, a 1950s diner. Literally. It has, like, those vinyl seats where Obi-Wan goes and visits his old buddy, the four-armed yeah. monster cook yeah. that has, like, a dirty dish rag for an apron. And yeah. this dumbass robot named Flo. And it talks. And, like, its voice <laughs> is... It's, imagine what a 1950s-styled robot named Flo sounds like. That is exactly what this goddamn mm-hmm. thing Does this like. thing ever tell a, a patron to kiss their grits? <laughs> it is might, this that Flo? Uh, kiss my space grits. There space we go. Yeah, I'm looking at this thing and it makes me, because again, to explain it, it's got like a short skirtish sort of thing. Yeah. Which I don't know why. So, to know it's a female. Yeah, so you know it's a female and it's got legs sticking out with like a single wheel and it just makes me very angry and <laughs> kind of horny but mainly angry. And, like, so much of, like, the prequels ended up being that, gave you that sort mm-hmm. of, like, reaction. We're just like, why is that thing, does, why does that do, why does that do yeah. That, yeah. that thing that you do? Yeah. The one, like, that these spider droids, and, like, even the dumb, like, I, I was going to choose the, like, uh, droid army droid as, oh, like, yeah. a, like, but they weren't really, like, second tier. They were, mm-hmm. like, throughout all three the movies prequels, yeah. constantly. Yeah. 
They were a major character, uh-huh. but it just they, they serve like this thing serves no real purpose yeah. other than to just make you. Mad. Well, I think if the if so, our first prototype for a um, a, a drinking establishment, a, a watering hole where where people would go would be the Moss Eisley Cantina, and think of how much that didn't fulfill. That didn't fit into a stereotype necessarily of a bar that you might have been to. There was a bar, but it was a light up space bar. Yeah. So it 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 did what a lot of the first movies did was raise more questions. It tried to <laughs> compel you with questions <laughs> yeah. than it did to comfort you with similarities and analogies. So if Lucas sat down with the designers and said, you know, it's like a good old fashioned diner. I think what also ended up happening was like, you know, like I said, there was no checks and balances at that point. His producer for the prequels was this guy, Rick McCullum, who basically said, oh, sure, whatever. It's great. He rubber stamped everything and everyone rubber stamped everything. And there are stories of people that would work there and basically you just did what George Lucas wanted you to do. Yeah. And that was it. So if if the design, if he was like, no, I'm imagining this is a 50s, 50s diner, you would be like, Maybe uh, something else? No, yeah. this is what it is. Okay, well, you pay me, yeah. and you pay me well, and I want to continue to work for a long time on mm-hmm. not only Star Wars, which is ultimately everyone that works at like ILM has grown up wanting to do Star Wars. Yeah, like uh, if I was to get a job doing Star Wars tomorrow, I would, I would do it. Like I don't know in what role. I guess being a power droid guy in a power droid costume that walks around, <laughs> right? <laughs> but like that's one of those weird things where it's like, you know. I remember like seeing like uh, like making ofs for like the new Force Awakens, and uh, what's what's the guy that's from uh, uh, Sean Sean of the Dead Simon Pegg Simon Pegg is just like thrilled yeah. to be in a fat guy suit yeah. under this in you know in this hot latex yeah Daniel and, Craig is one of the uh, stormtroopers uh-huh. you just want to be involved in it and so there's you know when. The, the man, the creator, is like, well, I'm going to have a... Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be a droid named I, Flo. People are like, okay, I feel, George. I am of two minds about that. One, I feel betrayed by the guy. But also, so here's a guy with crazy ideas, and nobody believed them to begin with, and that succeeded. Now nobody believes them later, and that's why he's failing. So I, I can understand his mentality, like here's a guy who succeeded when everyone was telling him the genre was dead, that you you can't spend this much money, that nobody's going to, none of these effects techniques are going to work with computers. How is that going to work? So, so, so you're telling me it would be like, I'm, I'm just throwing this out here. If like there is someone running for president <laughs> who was like a celebrity and had no experience and everyone told him, this isn't going to work. You're not going to make it through the first primary. Mm-hmm. And then he did really well in the opening primaries. And then everyone said, well, this is a flash. In the <laughs> and then he kept going on. And eventually he would believe that he could say anything. George and Luke, get to be president. George Lucas is like Ted Cruz. Wait, what's that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Is it too soon? These <laughs> too jokes? soon. Probably. Okay. So uh, I believe we are at the final scenes here. I believe that the, uh, yeah. Landau is leading the uh, attack on Landau. these... Landau. Landau. Martin Landau. Martin Landau. Landau. Martin, Martin Landau is leading the uh, charge on the final Death Star. Yeah. And and Jeff will be giving us his final So pick. this is not like any great... This is certainly not my f- favorite, but like uh, when we first met um, the droids in the first movie, there was the... Um, there was... Who's the red one? R- R5? R5-D4. R5-D4 who malfunctions. And... Um, Luke looked at all these droids, and I think it's kind of hot rod things that he can tinker with, but they're all like these tools to do work on a farm. 
but we know George Lucas was a hot rodder and and so maybe a gadget head. So Luke knew he had to fix all these things and deal with all these things. But Uncle Owen, I think, saw them as just like it's just like buying a, sh- a shovel or something like yeah. that. Um, but the um, the treadwell, the oh. web treadwell. Um, I remember looking at that droid and thinking it was so different in design from these other kind of rolling trash cans <laughs> and thinking it actually did remind me of some of the sci-fi things that I had read. So in that some some of these droids are kind of characters, these other things, uh, that Treadwell and like, who's the probe droid, the the, the probe droid that, that is fired down onto to uh, Hoth? Yeah, sometimes called yeah. Probot. I got to think yeah. of its, I got to think of its real name. Had these spider-like kind of limbs. And hovered. And, and, yeah, yeah. Multiple so, eyes and kind of creepy. Yeah. And uh, just, re, you know, in, in that this droid, if you read the kind of expanded universe stuff, there's multiple versions of this droid. It always had multiple arms. It was always used for different things like agriculture or whatever. And they were also, they broke all the effing time. So <laughs> I just love that. I just love that um, these Jawas just go around buying all these, finding all these droids that are just one second away from breaking and selling them to these poor fucking water farmers. They're like a used car sales. <laughs> they're totally- like... Uh, Matilda's dad, yeah. <laughs> just putting saw, you know, sawdust in the uh, yeah. in the droids' uh, transmission. Yeah. And it's so fun to think of like these droids as just being these hapless, poor little things that just get like they get lost. They blow a restraining bolt and they wander off into the desert. And some Jawas grab them. Next thing you know, they're working at a fucking vapor farm. <laughs> like, oh god, kill me now. <laughs> oh, Treadwell, he's he's a great. He appears later on in like Empire. He's like, he's like humping around on top of the millennium falcon yeah. trying to fix something and like he gets like like uh han is trying to like uh, solder something mm-hmm. and then he's trying to give it directions and han's attention yeah. turns away and then the thing's like rah, 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 and yeah. he's like hold on a second Let me, hold on, i'm talking to chewbacca here or, or Luke. Chill, chill the fuck out here and then the robot the robot just kind of moves along yeah. it's like a few. I'm not waiting around for you to give me more instructions. Ironically, human. if you ever see some MIT thing, they they look kind of like actual robots that are being made. Just yeah, some arms that do stuff. They're just like a tread and a pole and some, yeah. and, and a pair of like binoculars <laughs> on on tag. So who would win in a battle bot between any of these <laughs> these four that you each mentioned? Which one would oh, be well, the most battle? IG88, the assassin droid. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> he's got he's just chock a block full of guns and lasers. You and, know he. I, um, clearly he was a droid by complete manufacturer, but like one thing I think is fascinating, maybe bookending my initial commentary on droids and their position in the universe is that primary characters like Anakin and Luke, ultimately, uh, a percentage of them becomes droid. <laughs> so, so I, I find yeah. it fascinating and it also makes them more interesting characters. I think of uh, General Grievous was one of, I think, one of the more menacing characters of the uh, prequels, um, even though he did seem to be put there as a cautionary tale of what Vader would become. Yeah. But I do find it interesting in, in that some of the most dangerous people are people who are both droid and person. Mm-hmm. And why did I start saying that? Oh, yeah. Battlebots. Because IG-88 is the most, I think, humanoid of, of some of the Yeah, very, very T-1000 looking a little bit. He does, bit. yeah. So uh, this is the point where I will give my choice, which was really frightening to me because I realized about five minutes before we were taping that I had to do that. And again, not very well versed in the Star Wars droid universe. So I actually picked one that was previously mentioned, not as a pick, but... The R5-D4. Oh, I love them. So yeah. let's talk about this. Sure. Because 
this is like which aspect canon or legends <laughs> well just about his, his secret motivation no i don't give okay. a sh- crap about that i feel like he's the andrew ridgely of droids yeah like he could have been big <laughs> or the other guy from uh from tears for fears <laughs> yeah well they're Roland Orzabal. Roland Orzabal, yeah <laughs> So there is a whole other movie that could have happened if RA7, the one with the bug eyes, like hooked up with R5D4 yeah. and went off with Luke. Like, or what? Or what happens if maybe like on the next moisture farm over, those two were sold to some yeah. other to some, rebels or to something. some other rebels or some other like uh, Imperials? Like, well, what's like? There is a whole other movie with those two crappy robots that look just like R2 what's and a, I'm totally blanking here. Luke's best friend who uh, used to sh- Biggs. Do you think Biggs like yeah. went up going back and buying him later? <laughs> and like we just don't see that story. Because it. it's always like the second banana thing. Biggs puts into R5D4 some plans for some killer queso dip. <laughs> <laughs> that must be protected. <laughs> if the Empire gets a hold of this. <laughs> Guard it with your life, little droid. <laughs> he instantly blows up. <laughs> My dip recipe. R5D4 is great. Yeah, there's there's like nonsensical expanded universe about how he he was actually also a rebel droid and he self-sabotaged himself by blowing up oh. knowing like come on. Come on yeah. All this now, stuff. I always wondered by the way, did R2D2 like somehow fuck him up? Like, oh yeah, did, like, he, did he, he do screw some... him on pur- screw him up on purpose like like short short, short him out yeah. or something? He's a, he's a listen. He's he's on a mission. He's wily. He'll, he's cutthroat. He'll do anything yeah. to win. I yeah. wouldn't put it over. I wouldn't put it past him. I just R two D two hero of the rebellion. So he's the Tanya Harding of uh, droids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. R five D four is just, you, you missed. They cut out the scene where he's laying there. Going, My motivator. <laughs> All right. So it is time for me to come to a choice. And before I do that, I will go ahead and recap. Uh, the choices from our two combatants. So Michael from the Star Wars, the Star Wars, had the MSE6 series droid, a.k.a. the mouse droid. Uh, he also had the um, IG-88 assassin droid, uh, the BT-16 spider droid, and the WA-7 waitress droid, a.k.a. Flo. Do you think that's where uh, Flo from Progressive got her name, by the way? <laughs> And then Jeff had Gonk, Gonk, had the Wed tre- Wed Treadwell repair, the RA seven protocol droid, and the two one B surgical droid. And this is now I know why we have ties sometimes. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. This is not going to be a tie. Okay. So I I loved both of your choices. I am going to go with Jeff though. Holy shit! Really? And, <laughs> and I am going to tell. And I am going to tell you why. Um, I love the fact that I think Jeff's kind of showed the humanity and the inhumanity that is in the Star Wars world. You have everything from the gonk that is getting tortured, yeah. you know, getting his feet put on fire or whatever is happening to it, all the way down to the uh, surgical droid, which is the exact opposite. It helps to repair people and mm-hmm. and serve as a, a, a healing mm-hmm. droid. And notice we don't really ever see... I guess we see the droids. I guess whenever like they get, R2 or C3PO gets all, all fucked up, don't they have some other droids fixing them? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, R2 puts 3PO back together. Mhm. And of. then Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does, yeah. And, or and and Chewie puts 3PO back together. Yeah. In the same movie. And then uh yeah, I guess uh, R2 gets his head blown apart a number right. of times. I've got so some erotic fan fiction that is all deals with that subject. So much erotic fan fiction. 
We'll put it up on the... No, we're not going to okay. do that. So anyway, Jeff is the winner of this week's podcast. So oh congratulations. God. I picked the subject and I won it. Oh my God. <laughs> so, I hope you're standing off to the side, not getting a medal like Chewbacca. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just raising my arms in anger. So this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. I'm Jeff. 